Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You are now tuned into anything's potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid. The God, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. And he is coming to us live from the bowels of the TD Garden where the Celtics had just a wild baby. A podium game for the kid, Jay King, after the Celtics come back from down 14 at halftime, immediately erase that 14 point deficit, go on a 14 0 run to start the third quarter. And pretty much dominate the Atlanta Hawks in the second half. Um, a tale of two halves, Jay. What was it? Just an Ime fiery speech at halftime? What changed for this team? Because it looked it was two wildly different uh, basketball games. Yeah, the defense was night and day. I thought the Celtics actually came out with really good energy. Um, the first four five minutes, they didn't score a lot, but their defense was flying around. I thought Jalen Brown. Really came out looking like he was ready to play braids and everything. And then once Jalen got hurt, I felt like it kind of took the the wind out of the Celtics a little bit. And the rest of that first half, they were just kind of going through the motions a little bit. Gave up a lot of points in the second half. The end of the first quarter was a disaster where I think the Hawks made or took eight free throws in the last like 31 seconds. Trey Young got flagrant fouled. They fouled another three-point shooter. It was just a horrible, horrible end to the first half. Um, but the second half, the defense was back to like all-world level. And to do it without Jalen Brown is really impressive. To do it with Peyton Pritchard playing big minutes. To do it with Aaron Neesmith starting the third quarter uh, against the an offense ranked second in the NBA was just Really, really impressive the the way that they kind of buckled down after halftime. Now, don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I do think it helped that Trey Young was hobbling out there, and I also think it helped that uh, Oneko Kungu. I really butchered that name, but I'm not going to go back and try to get it right. He did not. You were play. pretty close. I was close, but I know I know I wasn't 100. Uh, percent He did not. And John play. Collins was out too. Yes, but the Celtics like the defense on Trey Young in the second half was just phenomenal. Just like in terms of their, their switching in terms of like what their bigs did when they did happen to switch onto him. Uh, it was really just uh, a step up in intensity. And I think uh, it helped on the offensive end. I don't know wh- like what the issue was to start the game with the turnovers, but it was kind of ridiculous how many times the Celtics were trying to just 
throw passes seemingly just into the legs of the Hawks defenders, but they went from <laughs> they really did have so much trouble throwing pocket passes. Like they must have four pocket passes just go straight into the hands of a Hawks defender. It was incredible. They had ten turnovers in the first half and two in the second half. So it's just like their their defense really ratcheted up and they like stopped turning the ball over and like that it was kind of been the formula for them recently on the winning streak is like the defense turns up and they they're able to get out on the fast break and they're able to do a lot of more on the offensive end and I don't know if like I think definitely the Jalen Brown injury threw off their rhythm it caused Derek White to come in and then you saw some all bench lineups in the se- uh, second quarter that just like really kind of struggled to to get points especially when Jason Tatum was on the bench I don't know if putting Nisith in that Jalen Brown role kind of made things more stable because we saw Derek White kind of come in and give them a solid boost with seven straight points there. But it just felt like they're getting back to the kind of Celtics identity of having everything based on uh, the defensive end. And then just their offense kind of seemed to stabilize um, kind of after that. Yeah. and I mean, we've gone like four minutes into this podcast and we haven't even mentioned Jason Tatum. Oh, yeah. He was quite good. Who was really freaking good. <laughs> and I think, you know, it was sort of in the, the way Tatum has played lately where he didn't let the Hawks off the hook. He got into the paint. He made he made the right reads. Um, it felt like when Jalen Brown got hurt, Tatum kind of realized, okay, I'm going to have to do a little more of this game. I'm going to have to orchestrate some more. I'm going to have to be a little more aggressive. And he just kind of turned it up. And, you know, I, I I thought he was just really, really good, making a lot of right decisions. He had a couple of turnovers late, but other than that, was just really, really sharp. And and the Celtics needed it. Um, and if you look at – I feel like his play of late, um, just really getting everyone else open. The Hawks were really aggressive sending two to him, especially after Jalen went down. And – you know, when Jalen's down, the Celtics are going to be playing some non-shooters or some non-threatening guys. And for Tatum to handle all of that and, and do it really, really sharply and, and and do it on time so that guys have enough space to to capitalize on the passes he's making. I just feel like he's really turned a corner over the last month or two uh, in ways that probably aren't discussed as much, including by us. Um but well, it was, it feels it like was this another is, really polished performance by him. Well, it feels like this has kind of like become the standard Jason Tatum performance. Like this, he was really, really good tonight. And the seven assists, the playmaking, like the decision-making was there. The kind of consistent pressure I thought he put on the rim um, was still only three of 10 from three tonight. But I like his just outside shooting was uh, solid, knocked down 12 field goals. But he's just, he's been consistently great over this winning streak. And I think it's, I mean, everything goes together. I think when the defense is better, it makes it easier for Tatum, um, especially to get more efficient shots, easier to attack the rim kind of in transition. But this is kind of what you, uh, what you want from the best player on your team. He's just been that good uh, just in 2022 alone. And um, like him putting up 33 points is no longer like the story. It's just like that's kind of what you expect from him, especially in the he night. Didn't even talk, he didn't even talk to the media today. Like he had 33, <laughs> 8, and 7, and we didn't even get Jason Tatum in the media because that's just kind of 
kind of average, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. and he needed to play 39 minutes. He's just been really, really dependable for the Celtics lately. And and the reads that he's making and the quickness with which he's making them, like he's just playing at a much, much higher level than he did earlier this season. And I don't know whether it's because he needed some time to figure things out in Udoka's system. He needed some time to figure things out um, as the main guy, whatever it was. He was he's sort of been the main guy for a while, but whatever it was, like he has really played a lot, lot better lately in every way. Can we talk about another guy who I don't think we uh, we mentioned a lot on here? And if you look at the stat line, I don't like eight points. Uh, a couple assists, a couple boards. But Al Horford, I just thought was playing phenomenal defense uh, early on, getting a bunch of blocks. But then I think in the third quarter, switching on to Trey Young, like I think he's well, – there's all these statistics about how good the Celtics starting lineup is and just their crazy net rating, best net rating in the league, all the crazy defensive statistics. But he's been so damn good, especially on defense and taking on the biggest guys like – there's been a lot of focus on like, oh, they're playing Rob Williams as this kind of weak side guy, this uh, guy who can kind of play free safety and uh, do all this uh, stuff. But like in order to do that, you need to have Al Horford take on the biggest guy and play very solid defense. And Al Horford switching on to the smaller guys, which is something they like didn't want to do tonight with Rob Williams. And I just thought like if you need to rest Al Horford on back-to-backs to like kind of consistently get this type of performance from him, keep on doing it because anytime he gets some rest, he's just been like that much better. And I thought he was very good tonight. Um, just like the number of times he had to switch on to Trey in the second half uh, was just like, it was vintage Al he even knocked down some threes tonight, which always makes me happy, but uh, he's just been very good. And I feel like we don't give him enough credit just for being another, just like consistently solid. Are you concerned by some of the minutes that he's racked up? Obviously, they gave him the day off the other day. Um, but I think he played 37 minutes uh, in in the front leg of that back-to-back in Detroit. He played 34 minutes tonight. Robert Williams played 35 minutes tonight. And I, I, I just don't know if it's smart to play those guys as many minutes as they have, um, especially since like you went out and got Tice specifically – partly so that you could rest those guys. And I know the Tice minutes didn't go great against Indiana, but that was partly because O'Shea Brissett just lost his mind. <laughs> That's because nothing went great against Indiana. That was just a weird, weird ball game. But I think it's a it's a valid concern just considering how important it feels like he is and you don't want to like lose him. That's why I think it's like smart to not play him on the second night of back-to-backs or not play him in one of those games. But it's hard not to when you like you see all the starting lineup like numbers and it's like, okay, well, what do we need to do to win this basketball game? And he's been so important to that. It's also like he's not necessarily going to be in the closing lineup. So there, I think there could be some games where he's just not going to get those kind of minutes. So I'm like, it's less of a concern to me just because I think well, – I think it's going to be interesting to see like how much time Jalen Brown misses and maybe if that uh, kind of changes the the rotation and things like that. But I don't think you're going to – I think depending on matchup, you're not you're going to maybe play Al Horford over 32 minutes a game, but it's not necessarily uh, required of him. I don't know. 
I, I had not been thinking of, I, I did not have an Al Horford minutes concern before this game, but now you've made me reconsider. <laughs> I mean, they didn't play him in the second leg of a back to back. It hasn't been like an every night thing where he plays a ton of minutes, but you do wonder the load that is being put on Horford and Robert Williams as they're pretty much staggered um, playing together some, and then at least one of them's on the court all the time. So you do wonder, especially given Horford's age and Williams's injury history, uh, just how much those two guys can handle and, and maybe it's they can handle it all. And, but I think, you know, when playoffs get here, it's going to be really important for the Celtics to have both those guys healthy all the time because we've seen the Celtics like this. It feels like a team that really needs everybody there because like they have an eight man rotation that works and seems like when they get away from that eight man rotation, things go wrong. Um, yeah, their margin for error is still, it feels like pretty slim and like a major factor in their recent winning streak has been, they've been completely healthy. And I feel like a part of the Indiana terrible game was O'Shea Brissett just going, going ham and just, you know, doing classic O'Shea Brissett things, knocking down eight threes or however many uh, things, but it Very also was like, oh, not classic <laughs> that's uh that was the joke but uh i think it was also it was a back-to-back but i think it's also adjusting to um not having horford in there and i think we saw the kind of the weird they really seemed to struggle when jalen brown went out in the first half of just like trying to figure out exactly how they were going to play the like i don't know if it's like reading too much in causation into that but like the the defense definitely looked a little sloppier a little bit less intensity and um, I don't know. It feels like they're when something changes like that, they have a less margin for error. But then they come out in the second half, and Neath Smith slides into that Jalen Brown role, and I think he did a good job just playing um, solid defense. Still, still struggling on our uh, some of those shots, and um, who knows? Maybe our main man Richard will uh, will call in and have an explanation for that, but. Um, I thought Derek White did a really good job kind of stepping in and playing the majority of those minutes there in the second half, especially with that run. Him, he seems to be a lot better when he's attacking and getting into the paint, and I thought he did a really good job of that tonight. What do you think of kind of Derek White in, a, I guess, a more of a featured role, uh, especially there in the second half? I'm playing with a theory right now, and uh, Ooh. Th- this is a theory I used to have about Al Horford, that he was kind of a function of how the Celtics played. So this was like the last time Al Horford played in Boston. So whenever the Celtics were playing well and like moving the basketball and doing the right things, Al Horford would have bigger nights because he wasn't a guy who was like going to go out of his way to go get the ball and go try to score. But if the Celtics were doing the right things and finding the right guys, then he was by as a function of that going to touch the ball a lot and and make the right play whenever he did that. And I feel like Derek White's similar. Um or at least has been similar during his time in Boston, where when they're doing the right things and being patient and moving the ball, then Derek White gets opportunities and Derek White takes advantage of those opportunities. But when they're when they go away from that and when they go a little stagnant, then there have been some stretches when Derek White's really quiet. And I've, I do feel like in some ways he's a function of the offense like that. Um, and, but to, today he was really good. They found him. 
Um, he he was attacking. He only hit one of five threes, but inside the arc was just getting to the rim, making the Hawks pay, and and finishing. And then you add to that the five assists, eighteen points, especially with Jalen out uh, on a night when you know Robert Williams didn't have a lot of points. It it was really needed for him to to play like that. And the Celtics, it's nice to have a guy like that who can step into a bigger role when necessary. And and that that that's why I think it's important that they have Derek White, not not just on the nights when everybody's there and and he can give them versatility um, and give them a fifth guy in the closing lineup who can defend and all that, but also he's capable of more on on the nights when they have someone missing or someone having an off day. Uh, I thought he was huge for them, uh, just kind of stabilizing them after they lost Jalen. I, I do like the Derek White as a bellwether theory. Like, if Derek White has a big night, it's because the off. I like it. I buy it. And, it. and it definitely applied to Al Horford uh, back in the day. It's just like the ball's moving because he was kind of the, the guy who started the offense a lot. And if it kind of it swung back to him, uh, I'm buying it, Jay King. I like your theory. I think it works. Just a working theory. That's all, that's all I've got right now. I mean, that's, that's the scientific method, though. You present a <laughs> hypothesis. And now you collect some observations and you go back and you recheck it. So, you know what? That's that's the work of a journalist right there, folks. That's impressive stuff. Before we go any further, I got to give a shout out to my man, Lucas. Lucas found me at the Celtics game and said he's a huge fan of the podcast. And it made my night. So, shout out to Lucas, who I met at TD Garden. And... It, it really made my night. So thanks, Lucas. Appreciate you, man. Make it, making the kids' night. Well done, Lucas. That's impressive. Um, you are you are a big a journalist. I just said you're a great journalist. Can you any update on I guess the Jalen Brown injury? Because at the time it looked pretty scary, but then he kind of walked off. And then I saw email after the game saying he wanted to come back in the game. Um, I guess any further update after that. Yeah, it sounds like it looked scarier than it was. Um, at first, like Marcus Smart, I, I I thought it might be his knee, just the way he went down. There wasn't a lot of contact, if there was contact at all. Um, but it was the ankle, didn't seem too bad. He walked off under his own power, wasn't really even limping that heavily when he walked off at least. So, And then Emei said he was trying to get back in the game. So it doesn't sound like it's too bad. Maybe there will be more swelling when he wakes up in the morning. You never know with ankles how they're going to respond. Uh, but it sounds like it won't be a huge issue. He won't be out for super long. And obviously that's that's pretty good news for the Celtics considering how it looked at the time. Uh, now, what they do without him, will Aaron Neesmith keep starting? I don't know. Uh, it seems like they want to keep the the bench group together with Derek White and Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard. Um, and I thought I thought Neesmith, even though he didn't score, had some ugly, ugly shots, um, he was pretty good. You know, he he defended, he rebounded his ass off, he you know, made a couple of nice passes. I just thought he was pretty decent. Obviously you want more out of the sh- shooting aspect. But as far as bringing energy and physicality and help impacting the defense, like 
he was pretty good and good enough to to make it work as the fifth starter in that group. Obviously, they went on a huge run with him on the court to start the third quarter. Yeah, I thought he was. He brought the energy. I thought him and Peyton Pritchard did. Uh, Pritchard continues to do just a pretty solid job. I, he was only knocked down one three tonight, but I I also liked his energy on defense. It feels like they've done, um, like. I think Ime said that they could go 10 deep tonight. I was a little suspect of... Uh, <laughs> the man who only <laughs> plays eight guys is like, yeah, we, we go 10 deep, bro. It's like the guys absolutely refuse to play Neesmith uh, and like will barely play t- Tice, but they can go 10 deep. Um, okay, I, I like the confidence, um, but it does seem like the bench is pretty solid right now. I mean, Grant Williams with 18 points, only on two threes. So that means Grant Williams is getting like buckets on the inside doing strong man plays i think he's just continued to just be a very very solid role player for the team so i think they're they're in good shape moving forward they just need to like keep doing this and they have a major test coming up uh on thursday night which i'm very excited about uh the grizzlies come to town john morant who i think should be getting more mvp consideration I did like this earlier in the day when <laughs> you just asked Derek White if he had he heard from his man Jakob Pertle about uh, absolutely getting dunked on. I love I love that as a, a shoot around question, Jay. What was going through your mind when you when you when you asked that question? <laughs> Honestly, uh, there there was only like a, a couple reporters showed up in person for it and. It's kind of weird. Well, like if you're one of the two reporters and you don't have a, a few questions to ask, <laughs> and, and so, so I I asked the one question I actually wanted to ask, and then I was like, uh, while I was standing up there, I was like, well, he was teammates with Jakob Pertl, who almost got killed last night by John Morant's dunk. So that was kind of how my thought process went there. Was it the best question? Yes. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I I didn't I didn't have that as a plan actually when I stepped to the mic. That was just kind of a last last minute decision to go with the Jakob Pertl discussion, and I was glad that Derek White took it well and and it seemed to enjoy it. You know, big time players make big time plays in big time situations, and you know that's you just that's feeling the flow of the game, and just you've gone through so many reps at this point that you just let instinct take over. <laughs> the uh w- one other observation from tonight's game is when the Celtics do have even one injury like the depth runs out really quick like especially on the wing like behind Neesmith and Pritchard it's like Malik Fitz, Sam Hauser and Keelan Martin <laughs> like that, that's it and and Matt Ryan who people and, on the internet say look like me I, I'm not sure I see that, but maybe. I didn't see it either. But they uh, deliberate picks from Celtics blog came with some receipts, and now he's a he's a white guy. But yeah, like um, it's startling to to look at the box score and know the Celtics like after Jalen Brown went down, essentially played eight other guys, and then the guys who didn't play are Malik Fitz, Sam Hauser, Luke Cornett, Keelan Martin. And Daniel Tice. And Tice obviously has been a rotation guy before, could be a rotation guy. But the others, like 
who knows yeah, what they it, would give if they were pressed into action. So, like, there's yeah, <laughs> that's one of the issues with only having 10 dudes left on the roster <laughs> after the trade deadline um, is that a lot of these guys are very much like last second emergency options. And if the Celtics even have like two injuries at the same time, the end of that rotation could get pretty bleak. Yeah, like if if Neesmith just hypothetically continues to shoot poorly there and just like there's no one really else to turn to on the wing. Like you just you just play Derek White an extra eight to ten minutes because Malik Fitz may have one of the cooler names in the league, but I don't know if I'm ready to kind of turn to him in a in a big game and um, like I do think the health of the Celtics has been one of the reasons they've been so good. And so it's going to be interesting to see one, how long Jalen Brown's out. I like, I would be kind of surprised if he played against the Grizzlies, but I, I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I'm just a, a guy trying to play doctor on Twitter. Um, but, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of react to that moving forward. I think the Grizzlies game is going to be interesting because it's going to be their first real test against like one of the top tier teams when they're when they have everyone like they haven't really played an elite team with like fully loaded I think I can't remember a game in 2022 uh <laughs> where they like I feel like Heat Jimmy Butler wasn't there uh all the Bulls they didn't have out. Bulls had like Levine, Lonzo, and uh Caruso out. Caruso out. So like this is like the first time it's like legit probably like top five, top 10 team in the league coming to play and like Jaws playing at his best. So it's going to be a fascinating game on uh, Thursday that it's like, it's very excited for because I don't think like the Celtics defense is a fluke by any means, but it's like, how do you match up against the best and can your, can your offense kind of sustain uh, the scoring it can against a team that's playing very well defensively right now. Plus, if Desmond Bain does anything, the folks on Twitter are going to be so annoying. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough for, for the Twitter folks who just have pictures of Ennis Freedom dancing in their head <laughs> as, Desmond, as Desmond Bain nails three after three. That uh, could be a tough night for, for Celtics Twitter. If oh, we hope wrong. not. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. 
Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's go to the the phones right now. I always refer to them phones just because, you know, I, I started in this business in sports talk radio, but it's uh, it's Brian L. joining us on the hotline. Brian, how's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. I have a question. I have a legal question from Mr. Jam Packard. Oh, yes, wow. Sir. Legal question. So I was unable to watch <laughs> the game tonight. I'm seeing the Batman. I'm in a dark movie theater for three hours. I check my phone after <laughs> three hours of nothing. And the first text I see is the text comparing Jalen Brown's injury to Gordon Hayward's. Oh, my, oh my God. I, am, I rushed to Twitter. And I'm expecting to see Jalen Brown dead at half court. <laughs> My question to you that is, is do I have legal grounds to sue this woman for emotional damages? Yes, that is intentional infliction of emotional damage. <laughs> and that is assault. And we will sue for nominal damages, well, punitive damages. What that woman did to you is outrageous, and I won't stand for it. That I mean, that that truly is... Just a wild text to send to someone. Gordon Hayward's ankle was literally like he walked off leg. the court. <laughs> yeah, Jalen literally just he walked off the court. Brian, I, I mean, I, I'm no no legal expert, but I, I think you have a really good chance of winning this one, and and, and maybe winning pretty big. I, 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 it's because she's a former coworker of mine, and we were working together the night Gordon Hayward lost his leg, and so she just saw like a clip, I think, of Jalen Brown like getting injured on Twitter, and so she decided to ruin my night. <laughs> All right, there there are four elements to prove an intentional infliction of emotional distress. The de- uh, defendant acted intentionally or recklessly. Check. The defendant's conduct was extreme and outrageous. Check. The defendant's act was the cause of your distress, check. And you, the plaintiff, suffers severe emotional distress, check. It's a classic case. She's the <laughs> prima facie case. She's dead to rights. I appreciate this legal counsel. We need to make this a running a running theme where people call in for legal advice from, from Jam Packard. Please do not ask me for legal advice. I don't know what I'm talking about. You're you're in uh, what year now? Law school? First year. I don't know anything. First year is when you learn most of the stuff. I feel like though. I feel like first. What year do you is, know? Is what they hype up as as the really tough one. It's my the tough dad, one. My dad's a lawyer. And <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he knows a lot more from his years of legal practice than he does from his first he, year of law school. He told me never to be a fucking lawyer because the first year of law school was so difficult. Yeah, but if I didn't go to the first year of law school, I wouldn't be able to pull out those four elements of emotional <laughs> distress from my torts class. So that was an all time call, absolute, <laughs> absolute all time call. And that coworker, honestly, besides the the legal damages she should have to pay <laughs> to my man Brian, she should also be jailed for a long time. <laughs> That's a criminal offense. That is assault, brother. <laughs> like that really is. That is. I mean, you 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 cannot take those words back once you text him, and he comes he comes out of out of the movie theater, and that's the picture he has in his head of of Gordon Hayward with his ankle 
his leg facing the wrong way, and he thinks it happened to Jalen Brown? Jesus Christ, co-worker. Bad news, bad news. I mean, that although be, she's... It could be grounds for firing, honestly, if, if the company <laughs> ever gets wind of it. I'm all for any sort of civil punishments, but I don't believe it uh, in incarceration. So um, let's let's leave it at that. We got more on the call uh, on the line. Alejandro P joining us. Alejandro, how's it going? Hey, you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Hi. Thanks for for bringing me up. Uh, first time, long time here. Awesome. <laughs> I. Uh, I feel like I'm getting whiplash just hearing that story from Brian. That's insane. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that's a tough story. Classic. Oh, it was just—it was a great win tonight, but I don't want to be the guy to complain about after a win. Oh, no, be that guy. Be that guy, Alejandro. I just wish we could get like five minutes of Sam Hauser. <laughs> Someone who can hit a shot, please. I, like, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I want to hear more about your love of Sennheiser. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, not that much. I just, wish, <laughs> just like seeing like all these bricks sometimes. It's like, oh, can we just put someone out there for like five minutes to see what happens at least? Yeah, I, I, I get the desire for Sam Hauser. Um, especially, you know, Jalen Brown's down. Aaron Neesmith is missing shots. There's kind of a need for another guy to shoot but th- then you look back at it and it's like Celtics have won what 12 of their last 14 games yeah and then and the the, the eight man rotation has worked really well so i i think Sam Hauser's time will come i don't think it will come this season but maybe it will if Jalen has to miss some time and they deal with even one other minor injury like Sam Hauser's probably next in line for wing minutes but yeah you're you're definitely not alone in wanting to see sam hauser play there are a lot of sam hauser fans out there i feel like some of my friends who text me about the celtics are pretty big sam hauser guys and just want to see sam hauser get a shot because he can really shoot that thing yeah i mean i don't just like even like just sometimes they put aaronesis out there like occasionally just like if they need something, like could maybe just try Sam Hauser instead. Okay, just, just give him a shot. Just every once in a while. I I, I get it. I get it. Free <laughs> free Sam Hauser. <laughs> All right. I appreciate uh I do like that our calls turn into uh mild complaints after a fourteen point comeback. That's exactly what the call's for. So thank you, Alejandro. One more thing. Yes. yes. Grant Williams, corner legend. <laughs> corner legend indeed that sequence at the end we i don't know how we haven't talked about it yet but the sequence at the end when marcus smart had a little i don't want to call it a chase down block because he wasn't really chasing anyone down he just kind of made his way back and then timed it perfectly <laughs> to to block hunter at the rim and then grant williams ended up getting a corner three on that possession then Marcus Smart makes another great defensive play, jumps out of bounds and taps it to keep it in bounds, and then it's like an, an elite through. jump. He got up in the air pretty high on that jump, and then just falls into the stands. Yeah, it was just a perfect Marcus Smart sequence, and then it it shows like Grant Williams has come a long, long way <laughs> as a three point shooter because I I think he even said it in his post game press conference. 
Like he might have just pump faked that one if if it had happened in a previous season. He he might have not even let that one fly. But four minutes left. At first, it was an eight point lead. If Smart doesn't make that block, it's a six point game with four minutes left, and anything could happen. Instead, Smart makes these two awesome plays in a row. Grant hits two threes in a row, and it's over. It's over. Like that was a game ceiling sequence that we should not have waited until now to discuss. <laughs> Probably not. It's almost like the host is uh, very disorganized. But another great Marcus Smart moment that I wanted to talk about is uh, Celtics are down, I think, 15 in the first quarter. And he just tries one of the most absurd behind-the-back dribbles that immediately leads into a, a horrendous turnover. And most people I saw on Twitter were pretty upset by it. But I was just like, that's Marcus Smart being Marcus Smart. Like, he's he's going to try some fancy shit down 15 and he's going to do that and he's going to have some bad turnovers and he's going to miss some threes in the first half and then he's going to come back make two phenomenal hustle plays knock down some big threes and just be like the reason why that you kind of seal the game at the end and the point the fact that you mentioned that like it was a close game and it was like a six-point game until Marcus Smart makes those plays that's kind of the reason you don't see Sam Hauser like the Celtics needed to have a crazy just the idea that they opened the third quarter on a 14-0 run and completely closed the deficit, it was still a pretty close game there. And just like, I don't know if tonight's game was actually the time to be just experimenting with Sam Hauser minutes. Neesmith, I think, was like a little bit frustrating because he went over five from the field. But he still played pretty damn good defense, and he was plus 10 in his, I think, 17 minutes. Can Sam Hauser defend? Like we know, like there's such no, a the there's is, such a, no <laughs> there's such a thirst for shooting that it's just like let's ignore all the other things that people do on a basketball court, and it's just like the Celtics' entire identity is being like we're gonna play great why are defense. You, why are you going at Alejandro's neck right now, man? Damn, <laughs> I'm going at Sam Hauser's neck. I love that Alejandro yeah, came with that complaint. Either Alejandro or Sam Hauser deserve this right now. <laughs> No, I'm defending Aaron Neesmith. I'm doing it because Richard's not here to do it for us. Like, Neesmith may, was, like, definitely frustrated in terms of how badly he missed those shots tonight. But, like, maybe I'm just so bought into the Brad Stevens way of, like, there's only – the only way you get on the court is if you buy, like, playing solid defense. There's just, like – there are things that Neesmith does well and – that I just think there's like such a thirst for shooting that it's not necessarily you can't just throw a shooter in uh in a close game where you're winning with defense and just hope that it's gonna go well. Like there's there's a time and a place for Sam Hauser, and it's not until Marcus Smart and Grant Williams put the game away that you're like maybe you would put him in. And the Hawks are, are a tough team to play a non defender against too. Like the they'll get they would have gotten him in in actions and gotten him trying to switch out on Trey Young and it could have gone poorly. Could have gone poorly. But that man can shoot that bitch. And <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. I mean, I'm not denying the fact that uh Cole Hauser's uh, an effective shooter, but um We got Alejandro sticking up for himself in the the chat right now. He said I, I mean this in the kindest way possible. Neesmith was impacting the game kind of like Javante Green. I like that. I like that comparison. Javante Green's a huge part of what the Bulls are doing. Shout out to Javante for like kind of turning just a very small role here with the Celtics into like legitimate starter slash role player for the second best team in the East right now. 
Yeah. Yeah, I did not see that one. I did not see that one coming. I remember I saw Javante Green at a, a restaurant in Charlestown this summer, and I, I think I texted you. I was like, what's going on? Is Javante back? And I thought he would be a nice little role player off the bench, but he was not back at all. He just went to went to Chicago and flourishing. He really is flourishing. I, I've been – but he, he was always the most athletic man alive. I wish he had been in the dunk contest because it would not have been so shitty if Javante Green was in it. He can jump higher and like longer than anyone I've ever seen jump. It's absolutely insane. Um, speaking of the Bulls, I feel like we're going to have this conversation. It's not about the Bulls, but just about the Eastern Conference pretty much for the rest of the year just because things are so tightly packed in the Eastern Conference. As I look at the standings right now, it goes Heat and then two games back, the Bulls, three games back, Sixers, four games back, Bucks, four and a half games back. Cavs like Celtics in sixth place are only five games back, but five games separate the top six teams. I was talking about on this Twitter earlier in the week. I just don't know what the easiest path is. People are saying, "Oh, you can like you you play Cleveland in the first round, or you and then you play the Bulls." Like I don't know, just because how close it is, the Celtics are going to be able to dictate, or real like anyone in the East is going to be able to dictate who they play, but. Like, what is the highest seed you think the Celtics can realistically get at this point? Because it feels like the top kind of three seeds are out of reach right now. But then you look at the standings, they're only two games back with, like, plenty of time to make it up. So I have no idea what's going to go on. Yeah. The the one thing I will say about potentially making up ground is these next couple weeks will be really, really important. The Celtics have... (laughs) Bold take, Jay. Memphis on Thursday, Brooklyn on Sunday, Charlotte, then they got Detroit, but then it's Dallas and Golden State. Like that is a key, key stretch with a lot of talented opponents. Brooklyn should have Kevin Durant back by then, and it will be a road game for them. So Kyrie Irving will be able to play. And and he's 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 fully sage to the TD Garden, so he no longer has demons here. Uh, he's ready to play. Lucky maybe out to kick his ass, so we'll see. <laughs> lucky needs revenge, but yeah, I I just think th- these next couple weeks could very well determine whether the Celtics can make a run at getting maybe even home court advantage, or whether they'll be you know the sixth, seventh, eighth seed heading into the playoffs. I did see, I think uh, Matt Moore tweeted out that their magic number for the sixth seed is now at 16. So for those counting at home, that's any combination of 16, uh, either Celtics wins or Raptors losses, who the Raptors just put together, I think, back-to-back wins over the Nets, um, which I guess is less impressive because they had no one there. But um, magic number 16 for everyone kind of counting scores at home. I think I'm just going to say this for the rest of the year. I have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be very interesting to see how this Celtics team matches up against, I guess, the more talented teams in the league. And, and if that's like kind of indicative of how well they play or how like what their hopes are in the playoffs. Because if they can continue this level of defense, even against the best teams, then I think it, that definitely bodes well for them. Um, but if they take a, a, a kind of a bunch of losses against those better teams – then maybe kind of this defense was a, a fluke. But, like, I don't know. Like, what do you make of all these articles coming out? They're like, oh, like, the computers love the Celtics. 
And like, I just don't know what that means. Well, they're a really tough team to judge on the backs of the numbers because the the numbers obviously say that they're really good. Their net rating is extremely impressive. But basically all of their point differential came in a stretch where they were beating the fuck out of terrible teams and teams that were missing their best players. And so like normally it's it's wise to judge teams on as big a sample size as you can get. And so in that sense, like, you know, the Celtics over the full season, their statistical profile looks really impressive. But when you actually think about it, it's like they really just pounded on some shitty teams for three weeks, four weeks, whatever it was. And that's it. Like that's the entirety of the reason that the, the numbers look highly on them. Um, so I don't know what to think of that. Maybe it's we should just overlook the fact that they were just playing bad teams and realize that, you know, over the course of history, teams that have been able to rack up a lot of blowout wins are typically the better squads um, rather than teams that s- sneak out a, a bunch of closer wins and get more lucky that way. Um, or is it are the numbers misleading because they can't do it against the best teams because you know they they don't execute well enough in crunch time or they don't have enough offensive firepower to to really compete against the best but then you look at their their numbers against the best competition and they're pretty good there too like their record i think against top teams is pretty much as as good as anyone's in the eastern conference or close to it um, so they have a very weird profile and I'm not quite sure what to make of them other than I think they're like in the second or third tier in the East, uh, despite the numbers overwhelmingly saying that they have a chance to be a real player come playoff time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and it's like hard to completely judge the because they're like a lot of their losses early were very close games and they're kind of unlucky in, in clutch situations. And so it feels like a lot of things are skewed on that point. I, I know it just as a fan, it makes me feel good when I log on to the internet and the, everything's just like the Celtics are great. The Celtics have the best chance in the East to make it to the finals. That confirms all of what I want to be true. And so I like looking at that, but it does make me a little skeptical, but also makes me think of like how much of it is like weirdly narrative based. Whereas like if they had started off the season playing better and were just like had the same record they had now with the same net rating. Would we be like more? Would people be higher on the Celtics than if they didn't start off so shittily? And like, I don't know. It feels like the Cavs are now coming back to earth. Like, remember the start of the year when everyone thought the Wizards were good, and like that was a topic on national podcasts. It just feels like there's different fixations on like who's good at certain moments, and like the Celtics had their have, are having their moment now. But I think it's all going to shift quickly, and it's already shifting to the Sixers who. You know, look pretty damn good with uh, Harden and Embiid. And so I'm yeah, just excited I, for the Eastern playoffs. But uh, oh, go ahead. The the two things that are most real, I think, and most promising for the Celtics are number one, they have an elite defense. Like there's nothing fake about that defense. <laughs> like I, I know the the competition hasn't been great lately, but that defense is extremely extremely good um and the, like, the, the the hawks scored 65 points in the first half tonight and then didn't score 100 points in the game like when the defense is locked in they are so dominant it's wild yeah and so so i think that that's the number one thing and then the second thing like the starting lineup numbers are great um and i think that starting lineup has been very good but i could envision like a team going small like a really great team going small in the playoffs and posing them issues like let's say Brooklyn goes to like Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant at the four and five like how do the Celtics handle that with their starting lineup I don't know I I, I honestly don't know how that would work uh so I'm, I'm not completely sold that the starting lineup is like one of the very top groups in the league because I want to see the malleability and the versatility against I guess those two words mean the same thing. Um, against, yeah, but they're both they're both five dollar words, so I liked uh, it against against top teams. Um, and th- but the other thing that that I think is very real is Tatum's improvement as a passer, and and just the willingness, the timeliness, all of it. Like 
he's just much better now than he was at the beginning of the season. And and that's a real improvement. That is an improvement that changes things, not just for him, but for the entire team. And and I think Jalen has made some of those improvements too. Um, and so those things, when you put that together with the defense, will give them a chance. And I don't know how big a chance that is. I don't know like where they'll end up, but I do think like Tatum becoming a much better player throughout the season and the Celtics defense showing itself as like really fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) Like those are real and everything else. Like we'll see. Not a bad formula heading into the playoffs, having a very good defense and having an elite superstar to lead you on offense. Uh, We shall see what happens. We'll probably join you guys later in the week. We'll definitely break down the Grizzlies game and all the games moving forward as the Celtics make the push towards the playoffs. Very much appreciate everyone who's joined us here in the live room, everyone who listens to the podcast, either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you give us a review. That would be great. Jay, I have no nothing to ask you about in terms of its potability um, but I'm curious on, if you. I've got, I've got one more thing to say. Oh, I I have another. Uh, I have a random thing that I uh, wanted to rant about too. You reminded me, so go off. Evan Turner was at the game tonight. Celtics legend Evan Turner, and they didn't even put him on the jumbotron. Was he sitting courtside? He sure was. Next to Wick. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Um, but that that that's yeah that's a they bungled that one. That's put boxed, Evan John. Turner. Why are you not putting Evan Turner on the jumbotron? Evan Turner was a fan favorite. Evan Turner was a beloved Celtics player. Put him on the jumbotron. Get a huge ovation. They put Dave Portnoy on the jumbotron instead. Just just a, a lack of recognition for a true Celtics legend that should have gotten his respect tonight. Should have heard the the raucous ovation from the crowd. And I, I just, I can, honestly feel bad for Evan Turner. He, he you can have some better. highlights too. Like, what was the play where he was like, I thought about Michael Jordan passing to Steve Kerr. What was the play? Like, they hit a buzzer beater. Who did he pass it to? I don't remember. Yeah, I feel stuff like stuff like that. You need like advanced notice, and I don't know if what to pull a to pull a clip. This is an NBA team. You can't pull one clip. I mean, I I don't know how mid-game jumbotron adjustments work, honestly. I've always wanted to write a story or at least watch a game from the jumbotron production people and be like, how do you figure out when to put the noise meter in? Like, what are the decision-making? Who is that person? I don't know. That fucking noise meter. I I hate that that people are such sheep that that they, they they won't scream their loudest until that fucking noise meter pops up. It is... Humanity needs to be better. You need to choose when you want to get loud. Don't don't let someone else dictate when you scream your loudest. Let the game tell you when when you scream your loudest. Not not whoever's controlling the jumbotron. I, I really I'm disappointed in people every time they put that fucking noise meter up. <laughs> and, and and it's not even an accurate reading of the decibel level. <laughs> it goes up every time, no matter how loud it is. It's a yeah, it's, it's, it's fraudulent, a honestly. It's, it's, it's a fraudulent it, noise meter. It, it's a fraudulent system that people fall for every time. And hear that, people? Jay King thinks you're a fake fan if you don't cheer on your own. If you're listening to the Jumbotron uh, to make your cheering decisions, then don't even bother showing up. 
the noise meter and the wave are the two stupidest <laughs> things in sports. Look, the wave does not happen at Celtics game. I, I like an occasional wave at a Red Sox game, but that's just because it's baseball and it's very slow. The other the, this this summer, the wave went the opposite direction it normally does around Fenway, and I was fascinated for a good five minutes. It really it went uh, counterclockwise instead of clockwise. It really that was probably the most exciting moment of that baseball game. Now, now we have your anything is potable thing. <laughs> is the fucking baseball wave potable? Anything is potable!